Okay, good morning, gentlemen. Welcome back. Getting together, kicking off once again. What will Bez Hashem be a lovely, beautiful week? Beautiful experiences, beautiful Basurus Taibas and good tidings uh, for all of us together. And we're beginning the week with our Sunday morning breakfast and learn program. And this week it is sponsored by our very own Chassan, uh, Dove Bear Temple, in honor of the yard site of Hizeda. Zalman bin Usher Tzvi Hirsch, also known as Papi. That's right, Papi, that's right. In the Shabbat Shabbat Aliyah, Zalman bin Usher Tzvi Hirsch. Um, and our learning this morning should provide his pure soul with, uh, with much benefit. It should be an Aliyah for us as well. So what we're going to do this morning, is going back and forth a little bit. What we're going to do is we're going to have actually part three. We left off last week with a part two of our discussion of the Kiddashtoy of honoring Kaihanim and, and what that looks like in practical halacha, when do Kaihanim come first, and, and uh, what are you not allowed to ask a Kain to do, Kedusha Kahuna. We talked about, um, two weeks ago we talked about types of favors that you're allowed to ask a Kain to do, things that you should avoid asking a Kain to do. Last week we talked about a Kain who is a Katan, a Kain who is not yet Bar Mitzvah. We discussed a, a, a Kain who is a Baal Mum, a Kain who has a, a, a blemish or a defect that doesn't allow him to serve in the base of Mikdash. And we left off with a like a food for thought kind of question, which was, is there a din of a kiddash when it comes to honoring a kayin? Is there a din of, uh, of honoring a kayin? Does a kayin come first in his passing as well? After the kayin has passed away, is there still a din of a kiddash? Do you honor the kayin, give him priority? We know that in the kayin's lifetime, the kayin takes priority. If you have a kayin at the table, we said, you're supposed to offer him the food first. When the food goes around the table, you offer him the first piece of schnitzel. You offer him the chalantal first, you let, him, let him pick first, let him make the bracha first, you give him benching. So there's certainly a halacha that you honor a kind, you give him priority when he's alive. What about in his lifetime? In his, in, that's in his lifetime. What about after his lifetime? Is there still a din of a kiddush? Now, now one would ask, well, what, what does that mean? How do you honor a kind when he's no longer alive? What do you, 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 you bring him the schnitzel first, right? What, what are we doing with a kind when he's, after, after he's no longer alive to give him kiddushas kain? So... The Shiloh was presented to Reb Chaim Kanievsky as follows. If the Hebrew Kaddisha, unfortunately, has two people to bury that day, two people to bury, two people to attend to, one is a Yisrael and one is a Kayin. Is there a halacha that you bury the Kayin first? Is there such a halacha? You, does the Kayin come first? Because of what? Because of a Kiddashtai. Or is it up to the Chavar Kaddish to decide whoever they want to bury first, you know, according to their, you know, decisions, the whims, the conveniences? Or perhaps there's a halacha that, no, you have to bury the kind first. You take care of the kind first, attend to the kind first, even though he's no longer alive, but there's halacha v'kidash. This was the shayla that was presented to Reb Chaim Kanievsky. And we're going to deal with that this morning to wrap up the whole discussion of v'kidash, of honoring the kind. A, because we're still, you know, we might as well wrap it up. And B, it does time with Parshas Pinchas, right? Pinchas, beginning of Pinchas talks about two things. Beginning of Pinchas talks about Kayhanim. Pinchas became a Kayin. And it talks about the concept of death, in that Pinchas was spared from death. We know that Pinchas was Elio. I'm sorry, the other Pasuk. As Brisi Shalom. Kashbarhu gave Pinchas a bris of Shalom, of peace. And Rashi says one of the things that he received shalom from was peace from the Malacham Aves. Pinchas is guaranteed he's never going to be, he's never going to die. He is spared from the, the bite, so to speak, of the angel of death. 
in, in that which he, he uh, rose to the occasion and he was able to commit an act of murder to bring Shalom so he's spared from ever having to lose his neshama. So, if we want to find a connection between this morning's topic and the parsha, you can sort of find it. In any case, we're going we're gonna to wrap up the discussions of Akidashta with this question. Does a Kayin deserve preferential treatment, get preferential treatment even when he's no longer alive? Again, the Chavar Kaddish has two people to bury. So the kind come first. So let's let's try to approach this based on just things that we've seen in previous weeks. We saw last week that a kayain gets prefer preferential treatments even if he is not fit to serve in the base hamikdash. We did see that, right? Because on the one hand, we would ask, well, this kayain, he's no longer alive. But like, what is he? What can he do as a kayain? He can't do any kayain things anymore. He, the kayain who's dead can work in the base hamikdash. Can't work in the base hamikdash any longer. Can he, can he uh, eat truma? He can't eat truma. And we saw that the Mugin Avram believes that, um, that a kind who is a minor doesn't come first, doesn't get preferential treatment, because the Pazik says, the Pazik links getting preferential treatment with with working the base of Mikdash. But the kind who's dead, it can't work in the base of Mikdash. On the one hand, well, you can argue immediately that he doesn't get any preferential treatment. We don't bury that kind first because he's no longer fit for service. On the other hand, what did we see last week, Rabbi? So we saw that a Baumum, a Kaidu is a Baumum, who has a blemish, who has a defect, does get preferential treatment, even though he doesn't work in the base on Mikdash. And we saw that Rabbi Kivager cited a Safra that says this. There's a Drush in the Safra that says a Kaidu who's a Baumum, even though he has a even though he has a Mum, he does get preferential treatment. There is a Din of even with a Kaidu who's a Baumum. And you can have, now they still a Kaidu who's a Baumum, a Kaidu who's Missing an, uh, missing something, who has who, who has uh, a broken limb? That's a kind who's a bamum, a kind who has a they call it a unibrail, right? A kind whose eyebrows are connected. He cannot work in the base on mikdash. That's a kind who has one limb that's longer than the other limb, an extra digit, a missing digit, an extra extra toe, a missing toe. All these all these uh, items are are uh, all these conditions are called mumim, are called flaws, uh, deficiencies, defects. <clears throat> They render a kind unfit for service, yet we saw last week that there is a drasha that even a kind who's unfit to work in the base on Mikdash does get preferential treatment. So if a um, kayain who is a balmum gets preferential treatment based on a drasha, one could argue in Lamdis, let's try presenting this argument in Lamdis, so let's see if the item goes for this. A kayain who's dead, we could say. That's the grester of What's the biggest mum? The biggest mum is death. There's, there's no greater mum than death, right? Missing a digit, missing an organ, missing a limb. That's a mum, and yet he gets preferential treatment. Death, which would would, would be the greatest, greatest, greatest mum. The guy, the fact, the guy's dead, right? We could might take such an argument to this. And if we go with that argument, we'd say, well, if the kayin, the, the 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 safra tells us that when he's he can't work at the base of mikdash due to missing something, he gets preferential treatment. Certainly, when he can't work at the base of mikdash due to his untimely demise, who does that? He also still gets preferential treatment. The Chavar Kadisha should bury him first. So far, so good. On the other hand, we could argue a, a different argument. Once we're going down the the uh, path of Lamtus over here, maybe one could one could present a different argument. One could say like this: a kind who's a bamum, a kind who has a defect, who has a flaw, who has a blemish, who is missing a miss, missing a limb, missing a digit. Um, who has a broken limb. <laughs> so he gets preferential treatment because he's a Kayin who's a Ba'amum. He's still a Kayin. No, he's a Kayin. We'd say at the end of the day, he's still a Kayin. 
he's still called a kohen, right? We we give him an aliyah, right? Like we said last week, we give him all the all the all the halachas that you give a kohen. You give the kohen who is also is, is unfortunately missing something. You give him the first aliyah. You give him all those benefits, all the perks he still gets. But a kohen who's dead, who said he's still called a kohen? Maybe you don't have a kohen here anymore. Let's let's explore what that means. What does that mean? Me that means that a person only has his status of like a person, his personal status when he's alive. Maybe when he's dead, how do you look at him? You look at him as someone who a, a former a former person, someone who was formerly a person. Meaning, part of someone's identity is is linked to their existence. This person's a Kayin, this person's a Levi, this person's a Yisrael, this person is um, a Melech, this person is a, um, a Nasi. There are different labels that the Torah gives us that create different halachic statuses, correct? Maybe those labels only work, are only relevant, are only shaykh when a person is alive. And when a person is no longer alive, maybe he just loses his his personal status as a a person in halacha. What what do you, to put this in like a very blunt way? Let me put this in a blunt way, maybe to, to just to make sure. I want to I don't want to you know to really for all collectively to wrap our collective minds around this. Put this very bluntly. Maybe when, the moment a person is nifter, what happens when someone's nifter? He loses his neshama. So a lot of him is gone. Really, right? Really, a lot of him is gone. Correct. His neshama goes back up to Shemaim, and most of us is really connected to our soul. Most of our identity, who we are, what we stand for. Maybe the way you look at a person in Alumdus when he is nifter is 170 pounds of basr. It, it's an unkind, a very unkind and blunt kind of analogy, but I once heard a similar idea from Rav Shinshan Pinkas. Not about someone who is dead, but someone who is alive. I, were, I once heard him say the following, Rav Shinshan Pinkas, that's all. Anybody ever heard? I once, I once or twice got to hear him speak live. Fascinating speaker. Very, he's actually very amusing. Very funny person. Um, anyone ever heard recordings of Rav Shimshon Pinkas Zasal? The big makar, big mashpia, big kayach. It's out there. Recordings of his speeches are out there. You, I should hear him once. His swarm. We've learned his swarm. I'm assuming. So when he spoke, he was a very different person. He was very flippant, very funny, cracked jokes left and right. Very, very funny person. You wouldn't reading his swarm. You don't see that in his swarm, but. Um, I once heard him speak on Tishabov actually, and he said, he said, he was saying, like, life is all about definitions. He said, he said to us, if we would see the saintly Chavetz Chaim, you know, if we'd see the Chavetz Chaim, what's the Chavetz Chaim? The Eilig Chavetz Chaim, right? Wow, what we wouldn't give to see the Chavetz Chaim, you know, imagine if we could see the Chavetz Chaim. He said, what's the Chavetz Chaim to a cat? This is what it was, Shimshon Pinkus's line. What's the Chavetz Chaim to a cat? To a cat, the Chavetz Chaim, he said, is 150 pounds of meat. That's what Shimshon Pinka said. Now, I wasn't talking about the Chavetz Chaim after the Chavetz Chaim was nifter. It's talking about the Chavetz Chaim in his lifetime. But he said such a, such a line. I remember he said 150 pounds of meat, 120 pounds of meat. I don't think the Chavetz Chaim weighed 150 pounds. Chavetz Chaim was a very diminutive person. Um, I don't think he was even five feet tall. But anyway, anyway, Rabbi say So perhaps the right way in Lundus of looking at somebody when they're, when they're nifter is you're just left behind with meat, with basar, with basar, right? Basar, rima v'say 
maybe this person when he's nifter is not called a kayan anymore. Everybody understand the question? Who said he's still called a kayan? The, the kind's gone. The kind's back. The kind went up to Shemayim. He left behind. He left behind the Basr. He left Basr behind. Basr ba'ama. So it's true that a kind ba'amum gets the kiddash da'ir mechabed a kind who has a ba'amum, and it's, maybe there's room to say that in passing ein mechamum gadol mizu, there's no greater mum than the mum of death. But maybe the guy is not a kind. There's no kind here anymore. Maybe the whole notion of being a kind or levi shows something's only relevant when a person's alive. When the neshama is still connected to the guf, but maybe when the neshama goes that way and the guf goes down, this this guf is not called a kain. It's just not called a kain. Very basic question, alumnus. But we can bring a number of proofs, I believe, that no, we still do look at this person as a kain. We can bring a number of proofs that we still do regard a person as a person, whatever his status was in his lifetime, he still does have that status even in his death, even though the neshama is gone. Whatever status he has in the lifetime, we still give him that status even in his death. We can bring a number of proofs to this. Geshmaka proofs. Some of them are a little bit morbid. Some of them are a little bit gruesome. But we can bring, bring proofs, <clears throat> excuse me, nevertheless. From the ones that aren't so gruesome and aren't so morbid, um, there's a whole discussion in the Rishonim. Do you, do you bury somebody um, wearing, wearing tzitzis or not wearing tzitzis? You're supposed to wear, are you supposed to bury a mace wearing tzitzis? So, so... Um, there's a whole discussion about this, and and the Rishonim say you should not bury a person. In the times of the Rishonim, the minig was not to bury them wearing a, a, a tzitzis. Why not? Why not? Not to not bury them wearing kosher tzitzis. Why? Because we don't want to be a kitrig. We want to, not. It seems in the Rishonim's times, not everybody wasn't so prevalent for that everyone wore tzitzis like we do, and we don't want it to be a kitrig on the mace that we're going to bury him wearing wearing tzitzis. Um, something that he didn't do in his lifetime, it's going to be a kitrig on him. It's a kitrig. It's, it's a count against him. He, we're sending him to his kever, doing a mitzvah that he didn't do in his lifetime, that he wasn't, uh, that he wasn't doing in his lifetime. So there is such a, a minute brought down in the Rishonim. Um, the question is, what, what person is doing what mitzvah? This, this is just, again, we're, we're, we're putting 150 pounds of basr away. What, what mitzvah? You see already from this, this glimmering of an idea that that um, <clears throat> that um, putting tzitzis on that body is still considered some degree of that body of that body being connected to a mitzvah. Even we don't say it's just basar. We say that there's still a person over there, and it goes further. Some some uh, th th there are there are um, statements of uh, following. Um, We find in halacha that we're supposed to tuck our tzitzis in when we go into a base akaras. You tuck your tzitzis into when you go into a cemetery because of loy glarush. It makes the mason feel bad. It makes the people that are buried there feel bad. Why do they feel bad? Because we're fulfilling a mitzvah and they can't fulfill a mitzvah anymore. How do they feel bad? How, how do they feel? How, how do you know they feel bad? Oh, so you see, they're still present. The nesham is still present, and they are aware of what's going on in their presence. And they feel bad because we're doing the mitzvah and they can't do the mitzvah. Why can't they do the mitzvah? Maybe they could do the mitzvah. Let's bury them wearing a talus. And the minig is now that we, we do do that. Why, what, let's bury them wearing a talus. So they're also doing the mitzvah. Well, corner, no? What? Well, so that's what we're trying to say to cut off the corner. Yeah. Yeah. But, but what? The kittel is just the burial shrouds. The, the shrouds, yeah. So there is a statement that the, that the, 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 the um, Rishonim say that if we are there in their presence wearing tzitzis and they're not, 
it's loig l'rush, it's, it's making them feel bad. We're doing a mitzvah and they can't do the mitzvah. Why can't they do the mitzvah? Because the Pazik says, v'la meisim chavshi. Kivan shemais nasa chavshi minutes. The Gemara actually says this. The Gemara says that once a person dies, he can't do mitzvahs anymore. V'la meisim chavshi. It's a Pazik and Zahilim. Kivan shemais nasa chavshi minutes. Once a person dies, he can't fulfill mitzvahs. So let's examine that. Let's examine that um, with, with, with the lambda should take. If there's a, a positive until that's telling me that once a person dies, he can't do mitzvahs, th- that implies that what? <clears throat> Without this Pasuk, the body would be getting the mitzvah, wearing tzitzis. It's only because there's a Pasuk that says, Kivan Shemais Nasa Chashim and the that you can't get reward for mitzvahs. The, the, the meter stops running. Once you pass away, it's only because of this idea that putting tzitzis on a, on, on a corpse doesn't give him the mitzvah. Otherwise, he would get the mitzvah. Otherwise, he would get the mitzvah. If not for this idea, <clears throat> that there's a limitation, a clause, if not for that limitation, not for that clause, a person could still get the mitzvah even in his death. So again, you see that somebody's still there. Somebody is still there. There's still somebody there. We don't say it's just, you know, the, 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 some, the person that was there went up to Shemaim and we're left behind with 150, 180, 200 pounds of bus. Or no, there's somebody still there and only because of he doesn't get the mitzvah, but really he could be getting the mitzvah. Yes, Rav Gidon. They came up to make Kiddush. Yes. Rabbi Yudha Nasi. <laughs> yeah, very good. He died. He doesn't need to make mitzvah. Yeah, why did he come back? So you want to bring another proof that there's still somebody here even when they pass away. Yeah, so th- that's, that's a good question. Rabbi Gidon is, is, is quoting the Gemara that says Rabbi Yudha Nasi used to come back every Friday night to make Kiddush for his family. He's come back every Friday night. Yeah, so what's going on over there is, is his death was like a different kind of a death, really. Um, his, his, um, that's what the, the Ramban says. The Ramban says, the Ramban says that his death was a different kind of a death um, because his life was a different kind of a lifetime. In his lifetime, his, his body became just like a beged, became a beged, like a, like a garment, a, a jacket. So he was able to just take it on and off and on and off so he was able to come and put the jacket back on again. The uh, Rehudan was, was was exceptional. Um, his, his death was just, just taking off his jacket because he was able to do that already in his lifetime. For us, like, uh, death is a, is a departure, is, is breaks, is a, you know, crisis, because we're, we're, our, our body's not a jacket. Our body is us. So we have to, like, rip the neshama away so the neshama can't really come back anymore. But Rabbi Ranasi, his body was a jacket, it's given a frack. A frack, yeah? It was a frack. How do you say a frack in Russian? Yes, Same thing, okay. So, uh, yeah, but a good, very good question. Anyway, so that's another proof that you see that the Gemara says, the Gemara, it's really Gemara, the Gemara says that, that, uh, that even if there's tzitzis on the mace, and I'm, I'm in the mace's presence wearing tzitzis, it's making fun of him because he's not fulfilling tzitzis. <clears throat> Um, the same way I am, he doesn't have, he's not, he's not chayv in tzitzis because, because he's dead. What, what do you mean because, because he's dead, he's not chayv in tzitzis? There's no one here to be chayv in tzitzis, no, no, no one around. You see from the Gemara, there is somebody around, he's still called, a, the person is still here. Even though the body and the soul were, were split up, the person is still here. Another proof, Rabbi Isai, is um, the fact that, that um, <clears throat> Arayas still exists. The, the forbidden relationships continue on <laughs> even um, even after a person passes away, all the relationships that were 
triggered as a result of that person being alive are still are still in effect. That means, um, <clears throat> let's say, uh, <clears throat> um, <clears throat> sorry, <clears throat> uh, there's a halacha that you're you're not allowed to um, marry. Person's not allowed to marry his sister-in-law, his brother's wife, his brother's wife, um, unless it's a situation of yibum, unless he passes away without any children. But if he, his brother divorces his wife, not allowed to marry that woman anymore. And if his brother dies with children, he's not allowed to marry that woman. Um, <clears throat> the question is, why is she called his brother's wife? He's not his brother's wife anymore. His brother died. The brother died. Not his brother's wife anymore. She's just a, a, a lady who is now no longer married. What gives her that status? <clears throat> what gives her that status of, of his brother's wife? So again, you see, we see that there's still some kind of connection there. Even in passing, um, even in passing, there is a, a, uh, some kind of, we refer to this as a low-level familial bond, a low-level marital bond between the person in his passing and his former wife, his, now his, his widow, who is still alive, there's some kind of connection that's maintained, even in his passing, that says that she still has the status of what? His, 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 his sister-in-law. This is his brother's wife. But if, if, if when, upon the point of death, the person just ceases to exist, and the Shama goes up to Shemaim, which is, not, which is out, of our, out of our existence, and this body is just called, again, 180 pounds of basar, what would be giving her that status of his sister-in-law? There's nothing for her to be connected to. See, there's still a connection even in passing. There's someone that she's still connected to. She still has a, a marital bond, a low-level marital bond to that, to that person, even in his passing, because of the status of his sister-in-law. And there's one more proof. Okay, this is, I think, the strongest proof. This is, this is the morbid one. Here's, this is the really gruesome one. This is... Um, <clears throat> um, it's a Gemara, so I'll share it, right? It's a Gemara. The Gemara says that, um, that uh, the halacha is, um, in, in the subject of Arayas, where it talks about what's the halacha if someone, again, Rabbi it's, it's, it's something, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna dwell on this just in, in terms of the, uh, the halacha, the, the technical aspects of this. Without getting into the more morbid, <coughs> gruesome aspects of this, the Gemara wants to know: What if somebody has relations with someone that was forbidden to him after that person is no longer alive? Huh. After that person is no longer alive, the Gemara wants to know: What's the halacha? Someone who is forbidden to me because they're a relationship; they're they're related to me, they relate to me, but now they're they're no no longer alive. Halacha v'loy l'maysa. Gemara wants to know. What's the halach? Someone has relations with a person that in their lifetime they were forbidden to them, any one of any a family member that was forbidden to them, and now they're no longer alive. There's relations with them. What's the halacha? Is that a chiv karis or not? Is it called an erva or not called an erva? Gemara said that your pot, there's no karis. No karis. Why is there no karis? Why is there no karis? Says the Gemara, your pot, there's. there's it's probably about the shaktu, I've had about the shaktu, yeah? But there's no karis, there's no erva. There's no chiv erva. About the shaktu zikhiris, yeah. But there's no erva, there's no chiv karis. This person is not called an erva anymore. There's no, there's no karis. There's no karis. Why is there no karis? Says the Gemara, there's no karis because there's no hana. 
There's no hana. Person not netted from such an act. You're not netted from Arayis. When the person's dead, there's no hana. The, the, the person's still in erva. The erva's still in erva. They still have the status of the erva. They're still betzim forbidden. What? The bayo. The bayo. The bayo doesn't have any hana. There's the, There's no hana. There's, there's no, there's no, there's, there's, there's no hano in such an act. And since there's no hano, says the Gemara, part Arayis is linked to, the, to, to hano. There's a few other Gemaras like this. They always put Arayis to hand in hand with hano. There's no hano. There's no chiv kares. But, but the Gemara says that there's no chiv kares because there's no hano. Well, the Gemara could have said better. The Gemara could have said what? There's no, there's no kares because there's no erva here anymore. What erva? This is just, this is basar ba'amba. That the erva is still in erva. The person is still here. The person is still here, and just there's no kares because there wasn't any hana. But the person is still there. So getting back to the kain, we have many, many beautiful proofs, Rabbi Yisai, beautiful rais over here to establish that even in a person's passing, even though the neshama has gone up, has gone upwards, that what's left behind the guf is still very much who that person was in his lifetime. The status is still here. If he was a kain in his lifetime, there's a kain over here. There's a levi over here. There's a yisrael over here. There's an ashes ach over here. There's a bas, there's an achois, there's whatever they were in their lifetime, they're still here. They're just grata not alive. Grata they're not alive, but the person is still here. If that's the case, back to the original shy. So the kain is still here. He still has the status of a kain. Does the chaver kadisha have to bury him first? Chaim Kanievsky Paskins, yes, they do. Chaim Kanievsky Paskins, the chaver kadisha has a chiv to, be, to, to bury the kain first. And Chaim Kanievsky goes into this argument that the, that the arguments of they're no different than the Bamum. And Rukhaim Kanievsky says they're even better than Ba'amum. Why? Because the Ba'amum, we don't know when the mum is, if the person, if and, will, if and under what circumstances he'll ever recover from this mum. And there's mum that you're never really going to recover from. A person is missing something. Not, not going to recover from that. A broken limb, maybe, hopefully, he'll recover from. A missing digit, a missing organ, a missing limb, you can't recover from that. And yet, the Safra says, a Kayim that's a Ba'amum, says a Chivikidashte. This mum, the fact that he just is, happens to be dead right now, he will recover from because he's going to come back for Tchiyas HaMesim. He's going to work in the Ba'ish Lishi. He's going to work in, in the Beis HaMikdash. Shibana Bimheir V'yameinu. Amen. Right? He's going to be working in, 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 in the Beis HaMikdash once again. So not only we have the argument of A, he's a Kayin. He's still a Kayin. B, he may be a Ba'amum, but every Ba'amum still has a din of V'kidash doi. And C, He's gonna, this is a mum he's going to recover from. So there is still a din of Vikidash. You've got to bury this Kayin first. Okay, it's what is speak out. Lemaisa, based on what we saw last week from Reb Yaakov Kamenetsky, not to be confused, who's not a cousin of Reb Chaim Kanievsky, or not a first cousin anyway. Um, but we said sort of vert last week from Reb Yankov. And based on what we saw from Reb Yankov, Lechai Reb Yankov would disagree with this fact from Reb Chaim. Um, we saw, last week we discussed... Um, a question of what's what's the Magen Avram believes that you don't give um, the Kiddush to a kain who's a minor. We had that last week. Do, do, do we a kain who's not yet bar mitzvah? Do we give him priority? So it's a big machlekes in Magen Avram and Rabbi Kivager. Magen Avram said no. Rabbi Kivager said yeah. Rabbi Kivager brought a right from kain who's a ba'amum. If you give a, a priority to kain who can't work because he's a, a ba'amum, you give priority to kain who can't work because he's a minor. What was the Magen Avram's response to that? So Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky said, the Magen Avram will simply say like this, a kain who is a Ba'amum has an advantage over a kain who is a minor. Who remembers this far last week from Rabbi Yankov? Who remembers? Rabbi Yankov said that what's the advantage that a kain who is a Ba'amum has? He says that he has something over the Katan, and the reason why the Safra says he gets priority, even though he can't work the Bishan Mikdash, is because we still give him a Chela Kukachim. He gets, he, gets, he gets a portion. 
he, he, he cannot work in the base on Mikdash, but he has a right to demand his share. He gets a piece of the pie. And the Allah is you are chayiv to give him kachim. He shows up the base of Mikdash. You have to, on his shift, you have to give him part of the karbanas. You have to give him part of the hide. You have to give him part of the meat. He, he's allowed to eat and he is entitled to, to a share. Says Rabbi Yankov, that's why Kain Bamum still has a dinner of because he still is given Kedushas Kahuna in that which we still give him a, a piece of the action. That's why, according to Rabbi Yankov Kamenetsky, a Kain Bamum still gets priority and is better than a Kain who's a cotton. According to this, a Kain who is no longer alive should, should get the Kedashta. He has to have some perk, he has to have some um, connection with, with Kahuna. He has some active active role in Kahuna to get Vikidash the coin to Biankov, which uh, well the coin Bamum is at the very least he's getting a Khalik Kachim. A coin who's no longer alive doesn't get anything. Yes, he may be a coin. And yes we'd still treat him as a coin. We still view him as a coin based on all the proofs that we gave before. He still has a status of coin even though he's dead, but he's not in actively in Kahuna, he's not getting any perks of being a kain. So according to the Rabbi Yaakov Kanesi, he should be no better than the kain who's a minor, and the Chaver Kadisha would not have to bury him first. So anyhow, Allah, the Maiz Rabbi say, the Chaver Kadisha, what do they do with, with, when they have two people to deal with that day, a kain Yisrael and a kain, I'm sorry, a, a Yisrael and a kain who both have to be attended to, is there a din of prioritizing a kain in his passing? Chaim Kanesi passes, yes, and he says he's no worse than a Baumum, and we're, 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 uh, we're extrapolating from the Bianca Kanis we had last week that he would say, no, since he doesn't have any active role in being a Kain, the Chavar Kadisha would not have to prioritize him, uh, would not have to treat him first. They could if they want to, but they, they can, if they have some other Cheshvin, um, they are allowed to go with other Cheshvinists. But according to all opinions, though, certainly a Kain in his passing still is called a Kain, is still considered to be a Kain, and still has the status of Kain. We should be zayich to share many, many, many simchas, many happy times, happy news, and happy occasions. I'll now hear from Dover Temple a few words about the Zayda, Zalman ben Asher Tzvi Hirsch, in whose memory today's Breakfast and Learn was sponsored.